0: Can we just be real for a second and admit that not every single entrepreneur is the same or wired the same or has the same goals or ambitions? Can we... Just be honest for a moment that there are actually multiple different motivators for starting and growing and maintaining a business, whether it's online or brick and mortar. I think it's very easy to look at someone, look at their business, read an article, listen to a podcast or an interview and say, wow, I don't think like she does, or I don't have the same vision that he does. What's wrong with me? Maybe I shouldn't be a business owner. Well. I'm here to say that we are living in a wonderful time where there are so much, um, there's so much grace, and there's so many more opportunities for all these different entrepreneur types to start to rise to the surface and own your lane. And not just—I'm not talking about niche or topic or even type of business to be. And I'm talking about you and your business personality, your entrepreneur personality. It's—it's it's okay to be you, and maybe you don't know who you are. That's okay too. I certainly didn't, and so what I want to do in today's episode is share with you what I think are the four entrepreneur types or four entrepreneur personalities that you could lump pretty much all entrepreneurs into these four categories. I'm going to break them down. They each have a name. I'm going to explain to you what the primary motivation or why is for each of those entrepreneur types as well as the most common dark side to those types and what I hope to do in this episode is have you self-identify which one of these entrepreneur types am I most drawn to or does it most uh, resemble me and where I'm at and maybe that'll give you some language for who you are and why you're building the business you are and also give you a little bit of a warning about what the dark sides might be for you where you are. So buckle up, this is going to be a fun episode as we figure out which entrepreneur type you are. Welcome back to The Graham Cochran Show, where each week I'm breaking down the mindsets, habits, and strategies for building a highly profitable and life-giving business. I'm your host, Graham Cochran. Pumped to hang out with you today. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Before we jump into the full episode, I want to give you a gift. I want to give you my 30-day online income jumpstart guide. This is one of my favorite tools that I've created for my students. If you're listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube and you have not started your business and you're just looking for I don't know, another excuse, or you're looking for a big billboard that says this is your sign, today's your day. Well, today's your day. I wanna give you a four-week checklist to go from wherever you are, which can mean zero idea, zero audience, no clue where to start, which is where a lot of people are, or even if you have your idea, but you've been sitting on it, and you've been waiting for the stars to align, well, this guide is going to help you get that kick in the butt that you need to take action. It's a four-week checklist. They're just bullet points. Do this week one, do this week two, week three week four by the end of week four you will have launched an offer to the world which sounds scary and you will make money It won't be millions of dollars right away but it'll be money in your pocket which will be proof of concept which will then give you the confidence you need to start scaling that thing and sometimes we all need a little bit of a nudge so this is your nudge Just go to grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart to pick it up. It's free, it's PDF, it's easy, it's fast. grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart or if you're watching on YouTube, you know I'm gonna link to it below in the description. That's my 30-day online income jumpstart guide. Now let's get to the episode. All right, so when I started to think about the different types of entrepreneurs because I know that they're different. Gosh, I know I'm different than a lot of my friends, a lot of the people that inspire me. I want maybe some similar results um, or external outcomes that they have, but I just know inherently from hearing them speak, knowing them, doing life with them, that we don't think about things the same way and we don't have the same core motivation for our business. And I struggled with this early on as I started to have some success in my first business, The Recording Revolution. As I got interviewed, as I got opportunities to share my story, I literally remember being on an interview with a very famous podcast who had big guests on, you know, like he had the Tim Ferris's and the Michael Hyatt's and the Ramit Sethi's, and then he had little old me on, and having a conversation with him where you could just tell when I was looking through the screen at him, like he just... Didn't know what to do with me. He would ask me questions that he was hoping I would give a certain answer for, or he would throw out a statement that he was assuming I would agree with, uh, like, you know, all entrepreneurs have to struggle with X, or we all want this. And and I'd be like, I, I actually don't. And it just, it, you know, it took the air out of the room. And that made for, it made for an awful conversation. It was a really bad interview. And I'm not blaming him. I just, I wasn't really the guest he wanted. You know what I'm saying? So he had a, he had a, an agenda and some assumptions and I didn't meet those. I even did a, a pre-qualifying interview. It didn't help. So I just remember feeling super stupid and awkward. And it took me a while to be at peace with who I am in my entrepreneurship journey. And it took me a while to realize, you know what, there's actually different entrepreneur types. Um, and I think I've been one or two of these types over the years that actually have shifted. So you don't actually even stay sometimes as one entrepreneur type. So it really gave me some language as I started to unpack this and think about it. Man, is there really just one, one entrepreneur personality? No, that doesn't make sense. So what are the other ones? And this is what I've discovered and I wanna share them with you today. So I'm gonna walk through all four of them. Again, I'm gonna explain that each type has a motivator, like a core motivator, a core thing that drives them in business. You could call this their why, right? And then there's also the dark side because again, all of us have a dark side. Every good strength of ours, there's also a dark side to that strength too. It's just the nature, there's, everything is in balance, right? There's always two sides to everything, right? Myron Golden says, there's, have you ever seen a one-sided piece of paper, right? Have you ever seen a one-sided coin? No, there's always another side. It's, it's everything has an equal and opposite reaction. It's, it's impossible to have one-sided anything. And so it's important to be aware of the, the dark side Light side, dark side, right? If you're a Star Wars fan, you know you know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to go through all four. Here's what I want you to do. Try on each one. It's almost like an outfit. Try it on, see if it fits, and find the one that you most closely align with. And maybe my words and my language won't be exactly the way you would describe it, but find the one of these four that you most closely align with, and then just take note of it. Uh, I think this is the one I am, at least currently in this season, knowing that you might shift or might have shifted. And then pay attention to that motivator. See what insights come up for you when I start to talk about that motivation. And then pay attention to that dark side and see what insights come up for you. My hope is that you'll walk away from this episode knowing which entrepreneur type you are. And you'll have way more clarity on what motivates you and drives you, which might change the way you show up in your business and what you do each day and each week. And also you'll have that warning sign of what to look out for that's going to be a stumbling block for you. So, so important. You ready? All right. Entrepreneur type number one is the go-getter, the go-getter, this is classic, a go-getter, you know you're a go-getter if you are growth oriented and you will do whatever it takes to get what you want and that might sound cutthroat, doesn't have to be cutthroat, doesn't mean you're being shady, this is not win at all costs necessarily. But you're, you're just willing to do it. You're willing to put in the work. I would say most entrepreneurs I grew up reading about fall into this category. And they know the work is hard. They know the long hours or the, the, the tough season is going to be hard. But they view it as necessary or you view it as necessary to put your best effort in this season of your life. You almost view it as a temporary season. Like This is what it's going to take to get this business off the ground. Does this sound like you, the go-getter? none of these are good or bad so please don't think i'm going to like share a bunch of types and say this is the right one that is not what this episode's about all four of these are needed and wonderful and true growth oriented you'll do whatever it takes to get what you want the core motivator of the go-getter and please don't take this in a negative way is money and achievement money and achievement This is a hard one, and I know I'm starting with a hard one. This is a hard one to talk about because we live in a culture that both elevates wealth and money and demonizes wealthy people and people who have money. It's very confusing. Confusing. We have a culture that wants to steal from the rich, overtax the rich. Um, in the movies, who are the bad guys? Rich owners of corporations and yet, everyone in this culture, and I can only speak for Western culture, specifically America, that's where I live, yet this th- those people that point the finger at the 1% or the successful business person, they want to be that person. They want abundance. They want opportunity. They want money. We're all driven by money, <laughs> right? At some level, we're all driven by money. And then there's a sub-problem that comes out of this, and this is getting philosophical, I know, but there is... Um, also with our puritan roots and I'm a christian and so it's it's very hard even in my specific circle of being in the christian space in western america where money is even more demonized which is so super confusing cuz money was never demonized in the bible it was there's warnings about wanting to be rich cuz it you could lead into some some traps and there's warnings about loving money because it can be a root towards all of all evil all kinds of evil it's not the root it is a root and it's not of all evil. It is a root of all kinds of evil. Loving it, not money. Loving money is a root, right? So the love of money can lead you into some stupid places. And I think that's just common sense. I don't think that's anything weird or or religious. That's just like, yeah, have you seen people who have done stupid stuff because they're just way too driven by money? Yes, it's a warning. Be careful. Money is like fire. Fire can really hurt you Fire can tear down an entire house or an entire community. It could be devastating. Do we just outlaw fire and never use it? No, I use it every day to cook, (laughs) right? You just have to know how to use it. So this is a random side point, but I think go-getters get a negative rap or people don't want to associate or self-identify as a go-getter because, or they would never say, well, my motivator is money. That's not a bad thing to be motivated by money. Do you know that my first business what was my core motivator for starting my business when I was broken on food stamps in 2009? Money. I needed money. I had none of it. Money is oxygen. It's a good thing to have. We need money. I, I wouldn't want anyone to be in poverty. Why, why would we, to say I don't want money is to say that you, you prefer to not have money? That it's, it's, it's better to be poor? I don't think so. I do not think that is God's will for our lives, that we be poor. And I don't think that's what you even want, is to be poor. So let's just let's take the, the moral stuff off of it and saying a motivator of money is not a bad thing. It can become a bad thing. We'll get to that in a minute. But that's just a core motivator. You want to make a lot of money. And then sometimes it's more than money. It's just achievement and accomplishment. And you're like, you know what? I, I, more money in the bank's not going to make my life better. But you know what? I want to be a New York Times bestselling author. I want to be a seven-figure business owner because of the status or the, it's just a, it's a goal. And again, that's not a bad thing either. I'm listing all my achievements that I want, right? I'm already a seven-figure business owner, which was a big one of mine. Um, First, I wanted to make six figures and I did, then seven figures. New York Times bestselling author. Still not there. I'm a published author. Sold a lot of copies, but I'm still not New York Times. Okay, so that's still one for me. It's all vanity, but it's just, it's a goal I have right? I've got other goals. I like achieving things, and I like money. These are not bad things, but a go-getter is one who's like, how can we grow this business or reach these dollar amounts? How can I achieve these things? I think a lot of entrepreneurs are the go-getter. Here's the dark side though, right? You'll never reach enough. Put quotation marks around enough. What is enough? What's enough money? What is enough achievement or success or accomplishment? This, this is something I wrestle with all the time, How many, selling how many copies of a book is enough, Graham, for you to feel like your book was a success? This is a conversation I had when my first book, How to Get Paid for What You Know, came out. I don't remember if I had it first with my wife or with a friend or someone asked me like, yeah, like how many copies do you want to sell? I'm like, as many as possible. (laughs) Enough to be like super famous and become a best-selling author. Most books don't sell 5,000 copies in their lifetime okay? I sold over 10,000 in my first year. Is that good? Is that bad? A lot of people would say that's good. I felt, eh, I wanted to sell 10,000 in the first week. Yeah, my big goals, right? Um, will it sell more? Yes. It's still selling more. Will I write new books? Yes. I'm working on a new one. Um, but I'm just being candid here. I like, But it's such a, the goalpost keeps moving. When I made Uh, million dollars a year for the first time. I was like, great. Can I do it again? So it's not a fluke. Yeah. So I did it again. It's not a fluke. Great. Now, what do I shoot for? Should I I be an eight figure entrepreneur, make 10 million a year? I guess that's the next echelon. I mean, and when you hit that, what about nine figures? Right. I'm in a mastermind. There's a nine figure entrepreneur. That means you're making over $100 million a year in your business. Is that what I'm supposed to shoot for? you never reach enough. It's dangerous. The go-getter, right? I think the world needs go-getters. People who are willing to sacrifice and put in the work. And I think being driven by making money and achieving is not a bad thing inherently. It can become a bad thing. And you just have to Know your limits and be honest with yourself and have honest conversations. Don't judge yourself. Don't be hard on yourself, but ask yourself, is, is this serving me? Have I reached enough? Because you can be a go-getter and reach your goals and then you can be satisfied. That's great. Or can you? I don't know. It depends on, on the personality type. So there's the go-getter. Do you resonate with that? Trying that on, does it feel like you? Does it read a little bit into your story? Again, I'm not gonna use all the right language because I'm coming from one point of view, but does this feel like you? Entrepreneur type number two, the creative. The creative is different. The creative is one where you work to live. And you only want to do work that excites you or scratches a creative itch. So, creative might throw you off that word if you're not like an artist or a musician or a writer. I think a podcaster is a creative, I think a YouTuber is a creative. I think a coach. A life coach or business coach is a creative. You work to live. Like, you do work so that you can live and you're doing work that you enjoy. The core motivator here is joy and purpose. Joy and purpose. This is a beautiful personality type too. I like, whereas the go-getter I love because the go-getter is just going to go build something and get stuff done and achieve the part of me that feels like the go-getter wants to go achieve things and reach all these big goals. The, the part of me that's the creative is I don't want to do work for work's sake. I want to enjoy my work. This was me growing up and seeing you know, my mom and dad and what kind of jobs they had. My mom was a school teacher. Uh, my dad was an engineer. They were both very successful. They were both very educated and smart, and they did well for themselves, and we were taken care of, but I remember conversations with my dad. And back then, I don't know if he would say, and if he's listening to this, I don't know if he would say he loved his work. I don't know if he would say he he got up and, and, and had joy and purpose in his work. And that was a challenge for him. And I remember seeing that as a kid and thinking, man, I, I, I wanna make sure if I find work, I'm doing work that I really enjoy and find a lot of purpose in. And so for me, I thought that meant being a professional musician. Sign a record deal, become famous, make music videos, tour the world, you know, do that whole deal, and it didn't happen not the way I thought, um, but I wanted to enjoy the work I didn't want to avoid work, but I wanted to do work I enjoyed and it's funny i I saw this in Provence in the south of France. I spent a month there a few summers ago with my family, and um the culture there is just very different than where I come from in America, and it was beautiful but um one of the airbnbs we stayed in for a couple of weeks, I was talking to the owner, and she is. An artist, she makes sculpture sculptures, and um, and she I think she lives in Paris, and then comes down to that Airbnb in the south of France for a few months out of the year, and then when she's not there, she rents it out. Hence, why we were renting it out. And I was talking to her, just getting to know her story a little bit, and she says, "Yeah, like I will work four or five months out of the year. I'll create a bunch of art. I'll go to galleries and and I'll sell my art and sell my wares, and I'll make enough money." to live for the rest of the year, and then I'll, I'll travel. I was like, wow, that's amazing. So you kind of work half of the year, and then chill the other half of the year, and then you she runs out of money. She's not independently wealthy. She's not fired, like retired early. She just works for a, a condensed period of time, makes enough money to live off of, doing work she loves, and then she she does other things, probably creating more stuff just for fun. I, I went to a restaurant a couple of nights back, because no offense to to my French French fans and, and friends, I love the French. Uh, man, you start eating French food. After a week, you realize they only have like five dishes. And you, French, you're not very creative when it comes to food. You do like some dishes really well. And every restaurant I went to was like the same food. Like nobody, I couldn't find any kind of international food. Or, so I found one French restaurant that they had like an international flair. They would do like a version of you know duck confit that had like you know some vietnamese sauces and influences and asian spices like they would change it up and so i, I loved it so much cuz i needed some variety in my diet if you're living in south of france for a month you need some variety and and france is not the place for variety no offense you do some great stuff well not a lot of variety uh, very traditional and so I remember going to this restaurant with my family multiple times. It was the only one that I felt like I could get something different every night, and it was fresh. And I remember talking to the owners, and they're like, yeah, we shut down for three months every year. So we'll make enough money. We love our restaurant. We love cooking. We love serving. We love what we do. We just we make enough to live, and then we, make, we save a little bit so we can, we can shut down the restaurant in the slow season for three months, Uh, And then we go travel the world and and we look for new recipes and new flavors and new seasonings in other parts of the world to bring back and have these fusion things in our, in our French restaurant, which is really cool. And I love that they're motivated by joy and the purpose of being restauranteurs and and being chefs and, um, and the Airbnb owner was motivated by being an artist. You know, um, I have, I have friends who just love their podcasts and love just doing what they're doing and they make enough off of sponsorships and some digital products like, That's all they need, and like they love doing what they do, and that's what motivates them is the joy of the work. And this is beautiful, the creative, it's beautiful. You just love to create something. We're all creating something. Here is the dark side of the creative. What excites us can change over time, causing us to meander from business idea to business idea, never gaining stability, which is really important, especially when you start to have a family, never gaining stability or mastery. Now hold up. Why is this important? My buddy, Jordan Rayner, wrote a great book called Master of One. And one of the things he unpacked in that book that I think was the first time I had heard it, um, and maybe it's not, you know, original idea to him, is the idea that in his research, the more you mastered something, mastered a craft, the more your enjoyment of it increased. So like people enjoy something enough to do a lot of it. Like I enjoy painting, so I'm gonna paint a lot. And then the more you paint, the better you get at it, the more you master that craft, the more your enjoyment of that craft increases. So actually sticking with something long enough to gain mastery of it enhances your joy of the thing. I thought that was very fascinating. And so I thought about the creatives that I know, the creative entrepreneurs, and myself included, because I come from a creative background. And man, when you, you love something, you go all in on it and you create it and it's so satisfying. You're not even really worried about the money as much as like you, you, you want to wake up with purpose and knowing that you love what you do. The problem then becomes after two years, you're like, mm, this is a little boring now, a little boring. I would love to talk about this now or do this now. And so we pivot, we pivot, we pivot. And hey, I've pivoted multiple times. That's okay. Pivoting's not bad. But then when you're starting over again and then you never quite get to mastery of any one thing and, and it's, just, it's just something to consider. That if you have that tendency to meander from things that, you know, oh, I'm a life coach, oh, now I want to you know, be a podcaster, now I want to you know, be a stand-up comedian, or now I want to do pottery, or now I want to... That's fine. That's great. The, the, just know the negative is you may never gain the stability income-wise, audience-wise, that you need, maybe that your family needs. Maybe it's great for a season of life in your 20s or in, in your teens where... You don't have a lot of responsibility or you don't have a family. I, I was married at 22 and, and a father at 26. Um, so I had responsibility very early on in my life. It's just the way my cards were dealt, and I'm, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm so glad that I met Shay at a young age and, and had my girls when we did. But it just meant my story meant I didn't have a lot of opportunity to meander and try different things where it was just me, and there was less Pressure for me to have stable income, I probably would have tried a bunch of different stuff. So I needed to have stability. So you can see why when the recording revolution started to work, man, I stayed at that thing from 2009 to the day I stepped out from the day to day operations in 2021. Right? So 12 straight years, 11 and a half straight years of this brand. And even when I pivoted, I didn't quit the first one. I started this, this brand, the Graham Cochran brand, while still running the Recording Revolution. Stability, mastery, there's a lot of benefits to that. Makes sense? So are you the creative? Does this resonate with you? That's entrepreneur type number two. Entrepreneur type number three is the nomad. And I, I debated using that word um, because it can be very easily, obviously labeled as like just traveling. You think of digital nomads, but you'll see why I, I, I call this type the nomad. If you're the nomad, you don't want to run a business. You don't want to work for yourself. You're not like, I want to be self-employed, right? You look at self-employed people as just owning a job. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't want that. You want to own a system, that prints money and buys back your time, right? I'll say that again. Nomads don't want to run a business or work for themselves. They want to own a system that prints money and buys back their time. The core motivator for a nomad is lifestyle and freedom. And this was very much popularized by Tim Ferriss' incredible book, The 4-Hour Work Week. You must read it. It is so helpful. Even if you don't like his style, very brash, uh, his his interests, his goals in life, or his worldview. Like, it, it's such a helpful book. It's, it's such a thought-provoking book. It's, it's one of the most influential books in my life. And it, I'm, he and I probably could be no more different than we are, but I keep coming back to it because he just challenged so many things about entrepreneurship and about, uh, you know, accumulating wealth and money, and he challenged a lot of the, you know, the, the societal norms in, in the West, and he killed a lot of sacred cows, and I, I respect any content creator that's willing to put his or her neck out and say, is this really the thing we want? And it's really a book about what do you really want out of life? And it's, it's a great question to ask. Well, the nomads, they blew up because all of a sudden you had people reading this book and saying, wow, finally someone's telling me I, I don't have to, to want to start a business to own it, run it, grow it. I, I just want an income. I just want an income that, that, that requires as little of me as possible. Pay my bills, let me live my life with as little fuss as as, as needed." Uh, and, and so that I can have the lifestyle and the freedom that I want and this is a beautiful thing to want, right i I love like people a lot of times say, Graham why don't you um, post more videos on YouTube every week? Graham, why don't you post on social media multiple times a day? Why don't you go live every day like certain people? why don't you you, you know why? Because I, I don't, I don't wanna, I want my time. If I did those things, I wouldn't have my time. I just spent two hours on my sofa here in the office journaling, ideating, dreaming, flipping through some books that I love, reading underlined stuff, sipping coffee. Like, I want the freedom to do that. I was talking to a, a buddy um, on the, the worship team that I serve at at our church, um, and he was asking me, but we were talking about working out. And going to the gym, he's like, do you work out? I said, yeah, like four days a week minimum I work out. Twice I'm, I'm at the gym at Orange Theory. Um, and then two, day, two days a week I go for a, a six-mile six walk, a six-mile walk, it, at least two days a week. And he goes, six-mile walk? He's like, how long does that take? You can see his brain going, it's not a run, six miles. How long does that take? I was like, two hours. He's like, whoa, that's a long time. How do you have time to, to walk two hours two or three days a week? I'm like, I don't have a lot of work to do. I get in the office by 11 and I maybe start at noon and I'm done at two. Like I, I just don't have a lot of work. And you could see his eyes like, uh, uh, uh you know, he's like, what? And, and, and that's, that's very much the four hour work week ethos, the nomad, the person who's like, look, I, there's other things I want to do. What do, why do I do that? I want to work. Uh, well, excuse me. I want to walk. <laughs> I don't want to work. I want to walk. Um, I want to have time to take my kids to school. I, I take my girls to school every morning and I love it. We get to talk in the car. Um, I get to make breakfast for them. We get to talk we get to read the the, the Bible verse of the day. you know we get to talk about it. I get to pray for them. I get to drop them off. I get to pick them up from school when they get out early. like I want to be there. I want to be at home in the afternoons at three o 'clock three thirty when my girls are home like i don 't want to be in the office so I can respect a nomad who has a core motivator of lifestyle and freedom. And that doesn't mean you wanna travel the world. You may not wanna travel the world, but you just want to know that you could do whatever you want. You're not tied to a grueling schedule. And to me, 40 hours a week is a grueling schedule. I have a goal for my students in my six-figure coaching community to help them get to six figures a year of income working 20 hours a week or less. Very specific Because I don't want them to reach their income goals and have to sacrifice 40 hours a week of their life for that. That's way overkill for me. If you can't make six figures a year and 20 hours a week, something's wrong. That's a a core belief I have. Now, you may disagree, but I I think there's something wrong. It's very doable to create $100,000 a year, $120,000 a year, $250,000 a year of an income and only work 20 hours a week or less. 20 hours is generous. You can do it in a lot less if you do it right. So nomads want to own a system because they're motivated by lifestyle and freedom. Here is the dark side to the nomad. Man, have I felt this. Too much time or idle hands lead to depression. This is real, y'all. I have felt this. I talked to a lot of people. This isn't talked about enough. Um... If you create a beautiful system where your business just runs on almost autopilot, even if it only takes you 10 to 20 hours a week, so it's a little bit of work, it's fun at first. But after a few months, maybe a year, if you have no other purpose in your life, it gets weird. And I I struggled with this for a while. And I was like, why? When my business got down to five hours a week, that's all it took. I'm like, why am I unhappy? Shouldn't I be like the most happy now? But it's like I had an excess of what I wanted. I just wanted the flexibility and freedom to have time in the mornings, take my kids to school, pick them up, not work on Fridays. I always had one of Fridays off to be with my family or my wife. Weekends off, I want to be able to travel. But when when I only needed five hours of my time in the office, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. And you go do all the fun things. You go to the movies during the day. You go to the beach during the day, you know, you get errands done during the, the, the week week, you don't have to do them on the weekends. You watch courses, you read books, you do all the things you want to do, play video games. You know when the Zack Snyder director's cut of the Justice League came out, it's like 4 hours, like you have time to watch that on a Tuesday during the day, that's great. But when you've done all those things, it got weird. It gets weird. And here's why. We are not machines. We are Emotional creative beings, we were created by a creator to create. How many times can we say that? This is the truth. You were created by a creator to create things. We are made in the image and likeness of God, the Bible says. Very clear. And what is God? He is a creator. That's the very first thing he says about himself in the Bible. It's the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, the very first chapter, the very first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is the first thing he wants us to know about himself is that he is a creator god not that he's a just god although he is not that he is a merciful god although he is not that he is um all-powerful all-knowing you know omnipresent god although he is the first thing he wants us to know about himself is that he is a creative god a creator god and then the bible says we were made in his image and likeness genesis chapter 1 and 2 so that means that you and i were created to create things if you're not creating things, if your business is running on autopilot and you have no need to create things, you get depressed. That's why. So I, that's why I started a second business. When I automated the Recording Revolution, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start coaching people on how to start this business model. And that sounds fun to me. So I did that for free. <laughs> and then I started charging for it because uh, I was getting people great results. And, and then I was like, you know what? I wanna do a whole nother website and a whole nother YouTube channel. That's why I started the Graham Cochran brand. And then it took off and then I was loving it. And I was like, I wanna write a book. You know, I want to give a TEDx talk. I don't need to do any of these things. I just want to, and, I, and if I don't, I feel like I lose my mind. So I think this is the dark side of the nomad is too much time, too much idle high-handed time. It leads to depression because we were designed for a purpose. And that purpose is to create. So just be careful. Are you the nomad? Is that what you're feeling? I love it. I love nomads, but just know the dark side. And number four, we'll wrap this up here. Number four entrepreneur type is the visionary the visionary, and this is a person who knows how to dream and build the business or businesses that leads them toward the life and the world that they want to see, okay? This is, in a lot of ways, the Elon Musks, the Steve Jobs, right? Big vision, they see it all before them and they want to go build this thing because it's bigger than just money, it's bigger than just them, it's like this is going to change the world. This is going to change the way people live their lives. The core motivator for the visionary is legacy and impact. I want to be known for something that when I die, it's around for years and years and years, and then they will say, Graham was the guy that invented the blank, or Graham wrote that perennial bestseller that's changed the way we think about life you know, whatever it is, I want to, and even if it's not, okay, hey, and if you think that's egotistical, let's throw that out for a second, because I don't think that is egotistical, but some people might think it is, a visionary also just is like, I want to create something that impacts so many more people, like, I'm creating this for the world, it's like my gift to the world, right, I want to build something that actually helps people, And I think, I've said this a million times and I stand by it, I think business is the solution to the world's problems. Business is the solution to the world's problems. Free markets and capitalism, the ability for you or I to come up with an idea that serves people and launch a business and if it's good, let it rise to the top. If it's bad, it will fail. Business is what's going to improve the world. It's going to improve poverty. It's going to improve everything. Why? Why? It creates jobs. It creates economic impact. It creates solutions to people's problems. It lifts people up. And we need more visionaries who are like, hey, I want to build a business that actually employs a ton of people in my my town. Or where we give half the profits away. Or you think like Tom's shoes, right? I don't know if, if, if Tom's even doing things anymore. But like that was so like innovative to every time you bought a pair of tom's shoes they donated a pair to kids that don't have shoes all over the world like how awesome is that like my buddy owns prevenex which is an incredible um david block owns prevenex it's an incredible vitamin and supplement company incredible in the sense that like it is like actually high quality ingredients where most vitamins and supplements are crap and they lie to you, he's got legitimately the stuff your body needs, no filler, no weird stuff, it's a great company, they're like the Tom's shoes of supplements, you buy um, kids multivitamins, they donate a, a, a bottle of multivitamins to kids that are starving, the kids that are dying all over the world, it's fascinating what they discovered, what David discovered. They're not dying a lot of times from malnutrition in terms of like not enough food. They're dying from malnutrition in terms of not enough nutrition. They they don't have the, the nutrients that they need. And so high quality supplements and multivitamins could be the difference between surviving past age one or two or not. And so he's got a mission of every time you buy a bottle of their kids' multivitamins, they donate a bottle. Buy a bottle, they donate a bottle. It's super cool. Like, that's that's big thinking. Like, wow, that business is bigger than David and his his wonderful family and his employees. Even it's about literally keeping kids alive all over the world. So, the visionary. Are you a visionary? Are you motivated by legacy and impact? It's a wonderful thing to be motivated by. Unless you think that the visionary is the most noble of the four, and certainly more noble than the go getter, when you're motivated by money and achievement. Uh here's the dark side of a visionary. And I've seen this and you've seen this. If you read biographies, you'll see this, right? It is sneaky and all too easy to sacrifice many of the good things and good people in your life for the cause or the mission of your big dream. How many visionary entrepreneurs do we know who lost their marriages, lost their relationship with their kids? Lost their health for the sake of the business, friend. No business is more important than people. People are the most important thing on the planet. People. People. All my animal lovers are like, no, animals. People are the most precious, valuable thing on planet Earth. And then the people that God's put in your life, if, you, if you're married, your spouse is the most important person in your life. Next to your spouse are your kids, if you have any. And then next to your spouse and your kids, it's fans out to your extended family, your close friends, your church community, or your, the people that you do life with. It's so easy for us to let those wonderful people fall by the wayside and get the worst of us while we are so committed to our baby, to our dream, to the legacy we're gonna leave, the impact we're gonna leave. It's a fine line between doing the work, the noble work you feel called to do, knowing that it will have generational impact or could have generational impact or legacy. It's a fine line between doing that work And it's healthy. And then neglecting your family, neglecting your spiritual life, neglecting your health. I see it all too often. I see it in myself. It's so important that I write this book and that it's so good. It's so important that I give this TED Talk and it's so good. It's so important that I fill in the blank. This is me, Graham speaking. And then my wife and my kids get like the stressed out leftovers of dad, Graham that's messed up. And I've done it too often, That more often than I care to admit. That's the dark side of the visionary. Gosh, we need visionaries. <laughs> they change the world, but it is, it is sneaky and you just have to know the dark side. So do you feel like you resonate with a visionary? Does God give you a big vision, give a big impact you want to leave, big legacy you want to leave? Just pay attention to the dark side. So which one of these four entrepreneur types are you? The go-getter, The creative, the nomad, the visionary? If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment below. Let me know which one you most closely align with. Again, we're all special snowflakes to some degree, so no one person is exactly the same as the other. But which one of those four do you most closely align with? And let me give you a little bonus point here. Which one do you most closely align with in this season of your life and business? Because here's the reality. You might have or be a splash of all four of these. You might have started out as a go-getter and now you've evolved into a visionary. You've seen something beyond money and achievement or you've reached all the money and achievement goals that you have and you're like, I want this to be bigger than me. You might have started out like the creative. I just want to do work I love. But then you realize, you know what, I'm stuck having to design all these websites and I can't take a vacation. Like all my, only way to make money is when I give up my hours and my time. So I would like to be more of a nomad. And you moved into more of a nomad so that you own more of a system. Maybe you hire other designers underneath you and you just run the design company and did only design the projects you want to. So now you can take off and you have more flexibility and freedom. Maybe you went from the creative to the nomad. Maybe you started as the nomad and you were crushing it, making 10K a month doing nothing, and then you realize you had no purpose, and so then you became a creative who then became a visionary. I've been all of these. I've been all of these. I started out as the creative. Then when things got got rough, I moved into the go-getter. I needed to make money. as the most important thing, and I also felt like I needed to prove myself because I felt like I had failure in my mid-20s. like, falling backwards and going broke. And so I had some unhealthy go-getter in me, some healthy, some unhealthy. Then I moved all into the nomad. How can I automate this thing? I want flexibility and freedom. And I did that really well. I've done that really well. And I can teach you how to do that. I teach students all the time. And I took it pretty far to the point where I was like, I have no purpose anymore. And now I feel like I'm in the visionary um, type right now. I I feel like God's given me big dreams, a big impact I want to have on the world uh, and it's exciting and motivating and scary and, and heavy all at the same time. So which one are you in this season? Which one do you feel like you might want to move towards? Is there a dark side you need to be aware of for the type that you are? Any and all thoughts I'd love to hear below in the comments. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, just make sure you process this today. This, this could be really uh, insightful for you. And let me know if this was insightful. I want to know what your insights were. Um, I think this is helpful to know where you are, what you're motivated by, and what to watch out for. Hey, and if you need actionable stuff to start this business, you're like, you know what? This is all interesting, but I haven't even started. Take my 30 day online income jumpstart guide and apply it. It's free, it's easy. 30 days from now, you could be making money. It's pretty cool. It's free. Just go to grahamcochran.com slash jumpstart. Or if you're watching on YouTube, I'm linking to it below. Have an amazing rest of your week, my friend. I'm grateful for your time, and I'll see you in another episode. Listen.